Hello, this is Pastor Galen from the First Nazarene Church in Chicago, and welcome to our podcast. Hey, before we hear the message today, I simply wanted to say that no matter where you're at, we're glad that you're listening today. We hope this message will inspire you, instruct you, and help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And if you live in the Chicagoland area, maybe this is the first step for you joining us in person sometime. Or if you want to, you can always check out our online live services every Sunday on our website at firstnaz.cc. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the message. Finally today, we get to hear the message from Scott and Emily Armstrong, who are Nazarene missionaries. I wanted you to be able to hear from them. If you've been here the last couple of weeks, we've been in this series called Foundations Together. Um, what is it that we believe? As a church, what is our specific mission? We talked about baptism. Last week, we talked about what is a Nazarene? What is a church of the Nazarene? And following that up today, I wanted you to be able to hear from some of our Nazarene missionaries who are serving God and serving the church of the Nazarene throughout the world. Uh, and here's what I would ask of you today. I want to challenge you to open yourself up and pray the prayer, God, what is it you want me to do? Where is it that you want me to go to love you and serve others? Even if it's my home, my office, my neighborhood, or around the world, God, what is it that you want me to do? And be open to hear from him today. Uh, Would you join me in giving a warm first Naz welcome to Scott and Emily Armstrong as they share with us today. Thank you so much. We are Scott and Emily Armstrong. I'm Emily, he's Scott, in case you're wondering. Uh, We also have children that are not traveling with us because our son Elijah's 20 years old and he's studying at Olivet Nazarene University down in Kankakee. And we also have an 18-year-old daughter that just started her freshman year at Point Loma Nazarene University. And that's out in San Diego, California. Uh, So we're kind of doing this thing on our own and We are used to traveling as a family, and we're empty nesters now. So we're trying to figure out what that looks like. We hope that you love us just as much as we know you would have loved our children. (laughs) We are excited to be here with you today. We're from the Mesoamerica region, and we want to show you what that means. Mesoamerica is basically a collection of 32 different nations in the Church of the Nazarene. It starts with Mexico and goes all the way down to Panama and then all of the Caribbean nations. So we're one big happy family that we call the Mesoamerica region. We're one of six world regions in the United States. We have missionaries in churches in over a hundred, in 164 different world areas. We are a global denomination and that's something that makes us really special. We love missions, we love missionaries, and we personally love serving the Church of the Nazarene. We want to set you up for just a little bit of what you're going to hear this morning. And I want to echo what Pastor Galen has said. We truly believe that God could be calling somebody from First Church to serve him as a missionary. That might be in your own community, but that might mean he's going to call you to go to other nations. We believe that that is going to happen today. And so we want your heart to be prepared for those types of words. We want you to be open to what God might have to say to you through hearing the story of other people. Yeah, this is what we do. Some people are like, you guys are missionaries, what do you do? Well, we're, we're, we're kind of in charge of two ministries down there. Although we live in Dominican Republic, she talked about us being a part of this entire region, 32 countries. If someone has a missions call, then they're in contact with us and we guide them and we you know, kind of give them some orientation, train them and equip them to send them out 
to be missionaries. There's also another uh, ministry that we have that's called Genesis. And when you think of the word Genesis, it's bringing a new beginning, a new birth to the big cities of our region. So why wouldn't we like pair those two ministries and send out, especially young missionaries, but also we have some families that answer the call to go and impact the cities. So here's what we're going to do. I just want to prepare you. We normally train our missionaries online, and then we receive them in Santo Domingo for about a month. Now, we're going to cram about a month of training into the next 10 minutes. I know you're like, oh, no, that's terrible. It'll work. It'll work. It worked in the first service. So here's what we're going to do. We're just going to use Matthew 9, 35 to 38 to do that, right? It brings out some really core principles of being a missionary and of reaching your city. So you're going to see it here. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, verse 35 says, chapter 9 of Matthew. And he was teaching in their synagogues. He was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And he was healing every disease and sickness. When we're training missionaries, we use a passage like this and we start to kind of draw out what it is that Jesus was teaching us and his disciples at the time through going through all of the towns and villages. We're, we're going to sit right there for just a minute. We're going to think about what that looks like in our own life. Because in church life, more often than not, it's about expecting them to come to us, right? Like, like, like we just kind of think they're going to come find us if they're looking for Jesus. But the missional way of thinking about a passage like this is, no, no, no. Like Jesus was in and amongst the people. He didn't stay in one spot. He went through entire towns and villages. He started to say, I see that there's a group of people over here. And he started experiencing life with them. He calls fishermen. He obviously was down by the lake. He calls a tax collector. He obviously was in political spaces. That is what Jesus was doing. He went out amongst the people. That's the first missional Lesson. So as he is amongst the people, what is the response? Well, it says in verse 36, he saw the crowds and he had compassion on them. I want to really highlight two things here. He saw the crowds. When you are in a crowd, when, I mean, I'm talking not just ah, a comfortable crowd and there's a lot of people, you know. I'm saying when you are leaving a, a football game, I mean, and there are thousands of people. When you are on the subway in New York or in, you know, even, the, you know, here in Chicago, the L, right? If you're in a place and it's just crammed with people, rush hour, you know, what, what are you normally thinking about? I don't know about you. I'd like to be super spiritual about things. But, but in those moments, I'm thinking, where's my wallet? <laughs> Where's my phone? Where's my kids? Some people, you know, have little kids and you're like, grab my hand and don't let go. You know, it's like we, we, we just are thinking about self-preservation. But Jesus is not thinking that way. He was seeing the people. He was seeing them. What would be the case? What, what would happen if in your life it wasn't just uh, home job, homeschool, you know, and, and then we come back and maybe there's Starbucks in there and then there, maybe there's, you know, and, and you just go through the day and then you go through the week and the month and you, you haven't even seen the person behind that counter. And I'm talking just truly seeing. But he was seeing them. He was seeing them. And his, the result of that was that he had compassion on them. Now the word, I'm, I'm going to invite you to say this with me because I love this word in Greek, right? Can you say this with me? The word is splachneia. 
Okay, I'll say it one more time, and then it's you guys, all right? Splachnea. One, two, three, can you say that? Splachnea. Splachnea. Okay, yeah, all right. Splachnea. I, mean, I get excited about weird stuff, right? Okay, so splachnea is actually that he felt the compassion. It's not, normally we would say, oh, he felt in his heart, you know? But no, that's not what it is. It's that he felt it in his stomach. He felt it in his in, intestines is what it says. I mean, this is, I'm seeing, I'm amongst the people, I'm seeing them. And there's just something that is moved in me. I've got splachnea, I've just got this, this urging, oh, I need to meet these needs. We need to do something about this. So the end of this verse tells us why Jesus is feeling this deep compassion. Because he sees people that are harassed and helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd. That's more often than not the society that we find ourselves in every single day. It's really easy to come into a space of people that are harassed and helpless and start judging them. Especially people that are marginalized in our community. Especially people that don't have the places of power and authority. It's easy to say, well, you probably did that to yourself. Hmm. But Jesus sees them for who they are and he humanizes them. He said, well, you did do that to yourself, but I have an answer for you. It's relationship with me. His compassion is drawn up out of him because he sees that they are literally like sheep without a shepherd. Sheep want to do the right thing. I, I really believe they want to do the right thing, but they need somebody to help guide them in the path. We believe in the Church of the Nazarene that the Holy Spirit is working ahead of us every single moment of every single day. There is never going to be somebody that I meet on my day that the Holy Spirit's not already working in their life. Hmm. And sometimes God's going to bring us into somebody's path and say, are you going to humanize this person or are you just going to close your eyes and act like you didn't see it? The missional concepts that Jesus teaches are be in your communities, see people, let your insides be just kind of churned up about the injustice maybe mm. that they're going through or the, the things that need to be changed. And don't dehumanize the people around us. Mm. We give them dignity when they start to meet who Jesus is. So at that stage, a lot of us would be like, Jesus, this is your turn now, so change them. Do what you do. And we just kind of step back, right? He doesn't say that. He says, we have a part to play in this. His disciples are there and he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. Oh, mm -hmm. The workers are few. I mean, some, some of us who know and have been in a, a farm setting know that when the harvest comes, you can't just be like, I'll take care of it. Nobody needs to help. <laughs> I mean, it's time for neighbors and family and everyone needs to help. It's, it's a, and he's saying, you may think that, oh man, nobody really wants to hear. No, the harvest is plentiful. There are so many people, so many needs. But the workers, we need more workers. He says, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send more workers into the harvest field. Now, I have to be honest. This is the first congregation that we are starting with before we go to a lot more in different states around. And we're on what we call home assignment. We have felt burdened. In the, in the, before we go to all of these churches, that we need more workers for the harvest field. Now, that, that's overseas. Yeah, we, we believe that God would be calling somebody from here to be a missionary. But we also believe what would happen if we all had eyes for our city, if we all had that compassion and desire to reach lost 
and broken people. Would we be the workers? Would we pray for workers? But would we also say, yeah, yeah, I think I could be one of those as well. We are in these realms every day with our missionary assignment. We literally have been doing this for almost 20 years now. And in 20 years, you start to be able to just kind of feel it's a little bit more natural, right? Like it kind of just spills out of your spirit just a little bit. And so as we get to do that on a daily basis, we are in contact with people that are exploring that call to mission. They're like, I don't really know if God's calling me to that space or that seems a little uh, scary. And we're able to have real key conversations with them and, and like really speak truth into their life, right? Somebody that is exploring a call to mission usually needs somebody that just speaks a little bit of confidence and truth into their life so that they can kind of take that next step. And I remember that that was how we began with Christy and Sam Seneca. You can see their picture on the screen right here. We actually didn't know them directly. We had been invited to Crossbridge Church of the Nazarene, which is located in Ottawa, Illinois. We had met their pastor, and he said, I would like you to come, and, and I really want to get my church more engaged in Nazarene missions. Like, we're really missional, but, but I feel like, like Nazarene missions we don't do. And so would you guys come and just talk about what Nazarenes are doing in the, in the missionary world? We're like, yes, we would love to. And as we continued to build that partnership with Pastor Kevin, he said, you know, I want to send a group of my congregation to Santo Domingo. Would that be okay? That's where we live. We said we would love to have a group from your congregation here in Santo Domingo with us. And so he put me in contact with Christy. Christy was his administrative assistant at the time. And he said, work with a couple of these people and, and they'll kind of be the connection and we'll figure something out. Well, as I started to get in contact with Christy and kind of met Sam as well, we said we felt like what we really wanted to do was invite them to Santo Domingo, just the two of them, for what we call a vision trip. Just come for two days, see how hot it is in the Dominican Republic, really be in the two-hour traffic that it takes to get three miles, and then decide, do you really think your church wants to come to Santo Domingo? So we brought them to Santo Domingo, and I remember sitting in that two-hour traffic with Christy. We had finally gotten into our neighborhood, and she was telling me about their neighborhood in Peru, Illinois. She said, you know, we've always felt like we need to be good neighbors. She's just like saying this on her own, right? She said, we've always felt like we can just know our neighbors better. And when we, uh, in Crossbridge, when the, it became a mother church and they wanted to plant a new church in Peru, we were kind of torn about if we wanted to go to that new church, but we just knew that it was closer to our house and that was our community. And why would we travel 25 minutes away to another church building when, when there's a church that's meeting right here and we could invite neighbors? She's just like, it's all spilling out of her, right? And I literally was sitting there thinking, God, you are doing something amazing in this woman. He had already started in Sam and Christie of, of like seeing their neighbors, of knowing that the way that we reach this world is through one-on-one -on -one relationship with people that we know, people that we love. And as I started to share with her the things that we were doing in Genesis, they were those same concepts that we just talked about a few moments ago. She said, well, I, I know that. I hear that. I see it. And she started to really think about it. Sam was telling us about their family. They have four beautiful children. He was a business owner of his own business. He worked with his uh, family. He had everything set. They had a beautiful family. And I remember as they brought their team down, or they were getting ready to bring their team down, I had just kind of jokingly said to Christy and Sam, you know what? I think God could call you to Santo Domingo. 
They were like, <laughs> maybe. And we just kind of left it as a joke. But when they brought their team down that ne- during the next summer, I saw them in the midst of cultural exchange. I saw them struggle with language. I saw them trying foods that were different to their, to their tongues and their tastes. I saw them really struggling with the heat of July because it's really hot in July in Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic. And at the same time, they were so excited to be there. They couldn't imagine life any other way at that moment in time. And I remember the conversation that I had with Christy out on the balcony outside of our office that afternoon. It was day nine of their 10-day trip. And I said, Christy, I've seen a lot of good things over the past week with you and Sam. And and I just really feel like I need to ask you, would you consider being a volunteer and coming to Santo Domingo and helping us here in the mission pier? I thought she was just going to laugh me off, but she looked at me dead in the eye, and she said, Sam and I have been feeling a call too. She said, I promise you that we are going to go home and pray about this. Well, as they did that, of course, (laughs) you know, God starts working, but there are two parts to a couple, right? And so maybe Christy was in some parts sensing something, but Sam was like, yeah, but what about this other part? I I literally have written down several of the the things that they had to work through. Uh, First of all, their kids were in sports. Well, what does sports look like overseas or specifically in the Dominican Republic? I mean, they love baseball. We love baseball too, but like, can you just go in? They had so many questions. Uh, What about like our jobs? What, will God provide? I mean, our retirement is taken care of already. Not that they were ready to retire, but they already knew, you know, 30 years before, we, we're set. We, we got that. It, it's, it makes sense. Well, now would that be the case if they're, if they're involved in missions? It, what, what about selling their house? I mean, you know, it started right around that time. Sounds really nice to say, would you like to be a mission? Well, COVID hit. You know, and so then selling a house during COVID and, and raising funds during COVID, or can we even leave? I mean, we weren't supposed to even be sending missionaries at that time during, during, especially the first year or so of COVID. And so they're just like, why would we sell our house when we don't even know truly if we're going, going to be able to leave, if we're going to do this, if the, the money hasn't come in, but they sense we're supposed to do that. I, I, wrote, I wrote down that... It, you know, how, how this ended up working out. The, their realtor knew that they were going to put their house on the market, and so they had a listing date. But he gave a couple that was kind of interested that it, it was going to move into the, into the community. He gave them the opportunity the night before to look at that house. Well, they looked at it, they loved it, and they already put an offer on the house the day before the listing date. Lord, if we're going to do this, you have to sell our house. It happened even before it was listed. Lord, you, you, I mean, our kids, I mean, they're involved in activities. Lord, what about our neighbors too? We really love, we've, we've been intentional. We moved, I mean, we literally had a great church and now we started this other one in, in Peru, Illinois, and, and we're just, and now we've just been ministering to our neighbors. Lord, what are you going to do? Like, was all that in vain if we go overseas? God was working on them. And, and the verse that they testify, that they say is their, their verse during this entire time, has become almost a life verse, is Joshua 1.9. And if you're familiar with that, God is talking to Joshua, his servant, saying, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. 
Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. What a promise. And I remember talking to Sam and he said, you know, (laughs) honestly as I read about God's faithfulness in the scriptures, honestly as I read about all the times he has been faithful to prophets and and these heroes of the faith down through the, the centuries, why wouldn't he be faithful to us? That was the through line. Lord, we don't know how it's all going to work out, but we will take these steps of faith and obedience. So the Senecas received an assignment. They came to Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic, in the end of 2020. And they began to work in multiple different aspects of ministry. One of the things that we were privileged to minister with them in is something called Discover Missions. And that started as an idea, simply an idea, in May of 2022, so just last year. I remember that we invited a couple people from the global team of missionary mobilization, what we call missionary mobilization, to come to Santo Domingo. They weren't interested in knowing how Scott and I and and our team have been training young people to be missionaries. For the past 10 to 15 years, we have had a very successful program of training, developing, and sending out missionaries that usually are about 23 years old to about 30. And so they said, we've actually identified in the Church of the Nazarene that this is a place where we're just a little bit weak. Like we don't have a lot of experiences to offer for our young people that think they're called to missions. However, they've never really gotten like their feet wet. And so as we started to kind of dream right there in our office, we thought, well, you know, we've been doing it here in the Dominican Republic for the past couple years. We literally have just finished a space of remodeling a few buildings, and we have capacity for about 70 people in the, in the housing that we have, in the, in the library that's been outfitted to be kind of the training center. We said, we, we could maybe have 70, and they said, well, we're not talking about just like from your region, from USA, Canada. He said, we want this to be a global initiative. He said, what I have in mind is inviting students from all over the world. He said, I want people from Eurasia to come. So the European nations, the Asian nations. He said, I want Asia Pac to come, which is Asia Pacific and all of the the islanders to have an opportunity to come. He said, I would love to have Africans that are here with us. I wanna see South Americans here with us. Do you think that you could host a global training event? I was terrified. Scott was excited. (laughs) Scott's excitement trumped over my terrified state, I guess. (laughs) Because we left those meeting plans and we said, the last thing we need to figure out is what are we going to call this thing? And we immediately started to think about, well, students are going to come because they're discovering their call to missions. And so we ended up with a name called Discover Missions. Well, as at that time, of course, and, and even previously, the Senecas had already answered the call. They had already said, as a family, we're going to do this. God provided and sent them out. They raised all of their funds. And as they came, it was very interesting, their impact. Now, they were officially the work and witness coordinators. Now, work and witness means that they host some teams. I mean, maybe like if this team were to come down and, 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 and were to, after a hurricane, what you're seeing here, repair one of the buildings, right, uh, to build other uh, Nazarene church buildings. And, and, and as they were doing that, you know, God was starting to use them and, and impact. 
uh, the entire Dominican Republic. But the impact wasn't just on buildings. In fact, they hardly even speak of the buildings, although that was kind of officially what they were invited to do. They speak about the youth. This is, this is their family with a lot of the teens, a lot of the young people in Dominican Republic, in their church, but also part of their team in work and witness. They started to say, hey, this is not about us. And, and we really, you know, we have, all, you know, four kids as well. And so we need a team around us that can help us. And so they started to invest in young Dominicans. And as they did that, they just started to see that some of them started to sense a missionary call. So, so, some of them started to sense another call to use their careers, architecture, uh, business, uh, uh, law, many other things, to impact their city. And so as they did that, they were realizing, they were starting to see their neighbor as, neighbors as well. They started a, 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 like a Bible study in their apartment you know, they said, well, we're going to do what we did in Peru. Why wouldn't we start here? And intentionally, they started to invest in the Dominican Republic and make an impact. As we started in the preparation and planning of Discover Missions, we realized that we were going to need the help from Sam and Christy because they were the ones that had become the experts on, like, how to get to the airport and back with a large number of people. They were the experts on how to like feed a large number of people at the same time. They pretty much had become experts in areas that we needed experts. And so we said, Sam and Christy, please come work alongside. Will you handle the logistics of just simply getting people here, making sure they have a bed, feeding them three times a day? And they said, yes, we would love to be involved in that. Discover Missions ended up being an event that we had just in May of this past year, and over 60 students were involved in it from 26 different nations. That, to me, is a super exciting like statistic, even though it's a number. That shows how God is calling people all over the world yes. to go all over the world. Right? Like the missionary call is not just for one or two different nations to go reach everything. The call is for all nations to go to all nations. Amen. And so as we saw these different students coming from the same place, we loved the immersion of different cultures sharing beds, uh, bedroom space, sharing a dining room space, right? Like at first we had thought, well, you know, this is a missionary experience. We wanted them to be able to like dip their toe in mission, but like we were going to protect them, right? We weren't going to let them get too far down the road and be like, I hate this, I can't do this. And so one of the things that we constantly were talking about is we need to create a space for them to kind of like feel that, that the, the conflict that a missionary has when they're in another culture. We would love to say that that never happens, but that would be lying. And so as we sat and watched them struggle through language conversations in the dining room, and as we started to see that not everything was working out, we were there to kind of come alongside them and say, hey, you know, what can we do to kind of work some of this out so their frustration wasn't sitting with them the whole time. The community that these students were able to create at that moment in time was phenomenal to us. We had never imagined the type of relationship and friendship that our Nazarene youth from multiple different nations would be able to forge together. If you're on Instagram, which I'm on Instagram, I see all the time some of these students that are still connected. A student from Japan is commenting on a picture from a student from Brazil. 
A student from Argentina is commenting on a, uh, on a picture from a student from Scotland. It's crazy how God brought these cultures together. We provided sessions of training for them. So like they would sit in our library space. We talked about mental health and missions, which they were super excited about. We were giving them like real life testimony of what Jana Suya is doing in Japan, which is basically an unreached people group. What she did every day to love her neighbors and reach an unreached people group. We also immerse them in the community. So like we had this time where they're sitting in the library and they're hearing from experts, missionaries, where they're sitting and hearing from us. But then we said, well, we're going to go out in the community and we're going to practice now. And one of the most exciting things for us to see them involved in was community assessment when we sent them out and said, you're just going to go and look at a neighborhood. You're not going to evangelize anybody. You're not going to go in as the teacher. You're going to go in as the learner. You're just going to go in and you're going to write observations down. What's going on in the neighborhood? What could you figure out if you just see the people? And so we started to immerse them in things like that. And so we start at the very end of it, we had them fill out a survey. And at that survey gave us some really valuable information. Because after a week of spending time together, after a week of teaching about the call and how God could use us and, and practice in another culture, 19 students said that they were called to traditional vocational missionary service. 15 said that they are called to missions, but not as a vocation. That's a pretty good number. 35 students out of almost over, a little over 60 said, you know what, I think God wants me to serve in missions somewhere, somehow, some way. We say praise the Lord to that. Hmm. Because these are students that are 18 years old to 24 years old. This is the church of today that is responding, that's feeling God calling them to go out into their communities to be light in the darkness. And they say, yes, God's calling me to that. Our personal experience is working with our candidates from Mesoamerica. Hael is now an approved missionary with Genesis. She's somebody that came as a participant and she's so locked into that call. She said, I'm ready to go right now. What can I do? And we've gotten her approved. She's going to go serve in Chihuahua, Mexico. Please pray for her. She is fundraising right now. And she, we need her in Chihuahua right now. She hopes to be there in the middle of October if she can get all of her funds raised. Abner is waiting for approval and assignment so that he can serve in a city next year with Genesis. He locked into his call and discover missions. He was serving. He was leading. He was receiving. And he said, I know that this is what I want to do. His call is to career missions. He said, this is what I want to do like for the rest of my life. We have Stephanie and Jamie. They've actually tailored their university school schedule so that they can finish university studies early because they're so convinced that they need to go out to the foreign field and serve in the next year and a half. All of these things are things that God did in students while they were there. We know these stories because these are our people, right? These are our kids. But the Senecas picture is up there as well. Because the Senecas were a part of Discover Missions. They were receiving from God and they felt God moving in them one more time. They didn't quite know what it was, but, but they knew that God was kind of bringing something different to them. They were open. They were willing to do whatever God wanted them to do. And Discover Missions was the very last thing they did before their speaking time of home assignment like we're doing right now. And they were invited during the summer to come back to the United States and Canada and to serve in Oklahoma City. And they are now the leaders of a brand new initiative for the USA-Canada region as missionaries. 
that's called Bless Your Neighbor. It seems like that was tailor-made for them. (laughs) I mean, from the very beginning of Christy telling us about her loving their neighborhood to seeing the way that they developed in the Dominican Republic and they love their neighbors and the young people alongside them to seeing them invest into people that are called to missions. And then God said, you know what? I've brought you through all of this because I needed to get you right here. And they literally just moved back to Oklahoma City three weeks ago. And I would ask you to pray for them. (laughs) They're in a lot of transition, but they are 100% knowledgeable that they are right where God wants them to be. Now, we spent 10 minutes at the very start just talking about some mission, mission principles, right? Missionary guidelines. Then we started to tell you the story of the Senecas and now discover missions and what God is doing. Well, remember in Matthew 9, 35 to 38... We've talked about seeing the multitudes. We've talked about getting amongst the people. We've talked about having compassion. We've talked about then how he says he turns to you and me and says, pray, pray, call out. It actually, we like the Spanish even a little bit more. It doesn't just say pray. It says beg, rogar. It says beg the Lord. I mean, there's, and the Greek also is that way as well. So you think, well, after he was calling, you know, all of, all of this time after 38, and he says that we should, um, uh, we should pray for the workers for the harvest. Well, afterwards, this should say one. Afterwards, in 10 verse 1, he says, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. I love that. We should all be praying, and I want to urge you, be praying for workers for the harvest. At the same time, the disciples that were right there with him, he's overwhelmed at the harvest. Pray for more workers. And he turns to them and he's like, I'm starting with you guys. I'm starting with you. You guys are it. And and so our call as we finish right now would just be, here we are in in a series, Foundations. Here we are, we're learning what it is. Well, we are a global church. You know, would you commit to pray with us? Uh, Upon leaving, the welcome team will be having, they will have a a magnet. And on that magnet, you'll see our pretty faces. Now the idea is that you would put that on a, you know, filing cabinet or a fridge or somewhere uh, that you'll see it and pray for us. Please do that. But also, would you pray when you see that? Would you pray for more workers for our ministry, but around the world? And also, at 9.38 of every morning and every evening, 9.38, you can literally set an alarm that will just recur every day. 9.38, Matthew 9.38. At 9.38, it reminds me twice a day, Lord, I pray specifically for more workers for the cities. I pray specifically. What if you were to do that? God asks us to pray for workers for the harvest. What, What about giving? Now, now I want to just use this time to just say, thank you for giving. When you give to this congregation, this congregation is missional. And they touch the nations. Mm -hmm. Continue to be generous. Continue to be faithful. Through your faithfulness in giving, you touch over 500 missionaries just like us. You Mm -hmm. touch us and 500 more. Thank you. But also, would God be calling Someone maybe to go? Will you go 
and see your neighborhood? Will you actually not just, oh, I'm just, it, we're so busy and we just got to do anything. Would you start to see people in your city? Would you say, God, I, I do. I want to have that compassion. I want to just have that burden. I want to, and not just say, yeah, I'll just see what, I'll, 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 I'll see if I can lend a hand. No, let's do something about it. Would you go to your city? And who would be that person? A child, a teen, I see teens here. A family, some adults, retirees. Would there be someone that would say, I will answer the call. You don't have it all figured out. How am I going to sell the house? How am I going to do this? Do I even need to sell the house? What's going on? What will I do with it? You don't have to know all of the details. What God requires is a yes. Mm -hmm. He invites you to be obedient. Close your eyes as we finish up. The call has been to, to pray. The call has been to give. And the call has been to go. What's God speaking to you about? I'm going to just leave a few moments for you to reflect and then I'll pray. God, all around this sanctuary, your Holy Spirit is moving. Mm -hmm. We believe that. We don't want to leave a moment like this the same. We have heard what you're doing far away. But Lord, we believe you can do it here. We've heard what you've done in the past. But Lord, we believe you can do it now. Raise up. Raise us up to pray diligently for workers. But we also say we will be those generous, faithful, giving, sacrificing workers. If there is someone who is sensing a call, Lord, to reach their city, help them to know they are not alone. If there is someone who is sensing a call to reach the nations, help them to know they are not alone. We give them to you, and all of us are obedient to your call, and we say yes. In your name we pray, amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us for the First Naz podcast. If you're interested in what your next step in growing your relationship with God might look like, I'd encourage you to visit us at firstnaz.cc engage, or you can download our app from the App Store, First Nazarene Church. And there you can let us know if you've made a decision for Jesus, or you can also find practical resources to help you grow closer to Jesus. I'd also invite you to subscribe to the podcast if you're not already to make sure that you've always got the latest content. And if you want to, feel free to share this on your social accounts. You never know who else might need to hear today's message as well. Well, thanks again for joining us. Have a great day.